Hello, favorite people. Welcome to the Workplace Chameleon. I'm Dr. Selena, and in this episode, I would like to share with you information, insight, and encouragement for your brain on and during change. Welcome. If you are new to this podcast, we focus on all different aspects of change at work. Things that I share with you come from my 27 plus years of human resources and organizational development and currently working and learning from while leading discussions in hundreds of organizations a year. When we are going through change in our companies and on our teams with our work, areas of focus for this podcast aim to explore the way we think frame the issues, identify solutions, and work through challenges. But what we also know is, especially during times of change, it very much goes back to the mindset in which we approach it with. You know, throughout our lives, we've listened to inspiring teachers and coaches, friends, parents, and many others telling us to choose our mindset That once we do that, we can push through big barriers, overcome challenges, and win big games. I am intrigued with the way we think at work, the way we approach learning to situations and solve problems. I'm curious about how teams and companies create strategies to solve those challenges And whether they do so in very deliberate, planned ways, or sometimes even more haphazardly, modeled by and sustained through leadership modeling. I love that in healthy, collaborative teams, we're placing more value on seeing things from multiple perspectives, on taking the time to get input from different viewpoints. And we are finally seeing the need to solve things in more collaborative ways. This wasn't so true early in my career. Many of us can go back 15, 20, 25 plus years when we had leaders who insisted on maintaining sole control. It was a compliance style of leadership. Do it because I said so. Often I refer to this style of compliance leadership as one who does not share all the Legos. Now that's my weird sense of humor, for if you're not gonna share the Legos, none of us get to play with you. And so leaders who hoarded that, leaders who didn't share power, leaders who held on to information, didn't go seek out input when it came time for important decisions. Today in organizations, we know with more complexity, increased rate and pace of change, and bigger impact across the system. We need multiple points of feedback so that we can see situations in different ways in order to make better decisions. It is Albert Einstein who is credited with the quote that we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use to create them. There are other authors and researchers and Uh, people who have addressed this in other kinds of quotes as well. But it helps us consider that in today's organization, what did work for us once upon a time may not work for us now. 
And we see that with the rate and pace of change. When we look at judgment in organizations, it is the ability to consistently make considered decisions or create sensible solutions for the decisions that need to be made about problems. Now, what we know is that's not a simple process. And the way we approach problem solving, the process for finding those solutions to difficult or complex issues is mattering more and more. We're seeing more emphasis in the writing and research around the need to innovate, that process of creating new solutions or projects. It's the ability for us to be change-focused or transformative through new or novel ideas. And what I want us to consider today is while there are big innovations and big problems that need to be solved, I will always say start where you can. Focus on where you influence. And as we look at organizations today, less like an organizational chart and more like a matrix, a system structure where reporting relationships may be up, around, across, or over. It's less like a traditional hierarchy and more in terms of dual reporting relationships where we have to navigate results across departments and out of our silo. How we view the organizational system we work in has a great impact, I believe, on how we solve problems. Let's face it, that you know this, when you start your day and you open up an email in the morning and you get it and you think to yourself, what? Who, who, why didn't they ask me? Who decided this? Didn't they know it has this impact on me, my team, my customer, whoever that is for you or someone else because they didn't see the ripple effect. I often refer refer in my trainings to being able to scan your organizational chart from a bird's eye or drone's eye view that you need to know lay of the land. You need to be able to navigate within your organization in order to be an influencer. Especially if you're in a leadership role, you need to know who to access for information, how you can influence up, around, and across your teams in order to get work done. So for today, I want you to consider the power of perspective. Consider the difference between my next two examples. Having a deficiency mentality is an approach where there is never enough in our organization, and our team, and our systems. That most is lost, no way to improve, or it's just too difficult. When we see deficiencies, we often become stalled or delayed in knowing how do we work through this? We just don't feel like it's possible. Compare that to the advantages of a growth mindset. There's great information out there these days on really seeking that growth mindset, that approach that we can grow, find options, and have the confidence we need to build a better team, a stronger organization, a more sustainable future. 
We can also consider that our collective success means there is enough for everyone. When we see success collaboratively within our teams, we increase, if I can use the phrase, the size of the pie, right? That there's enough for everyone. That is different than sheltering or hoarding resources. How often in our organizations do we hoard resources because instead of working together to compete in our marketplace for our customer to be that kind of organization we need to be, we compete against each other because there are limited resources. And obviously within our organizational systems, there will always be limited resources, but how we approach the allocation of those resources that we can identify our goals have collaborative discussions, if we have built the trust and addressed the conflict, that we should want everybody to be able to win. The opposite of that is hoarding those, sheltering those, guarding against anybody else getting something I think my team needs, holding on to information or resources to protect my my own self or my team can be counterproductive to what we need for the long term. We know that moving mindsets is hard. It takes dedicated, consistent effort over time. And yet people have to want to, right? I can be uh, an effective leader. I can work with my team. I can help instill and coach that that mental flexibility to know that we've got to do this together or it's not going to have the kind of impact we want. But it starts with our own mindsets. We need to consider how does that work in our team? What does that look like in our organization? So what I want to offer today, as I set you up with some things to think about, is your brain on change. What are some of those risk areas that we need to be aware of that often hold us up from seeking out new perspectives? Or they take our problem solving or collaboration opportunities and skew them. There's some great documented errors in our thinking that happen that prevent us adjusting to the change that's in front of us. And I want to share with you some of these today, and I want you to watch for them. I want you to pay attention for when you see these showing up in a meeting today, in an email you're going to send later today, in a conversation you're going to have. They are there. And once you start looking for them, you're going to see them all over the place. Errors in thinking. So thinking itself is cognition, right? It is the human process of knowing thinking or understanding and processing information. When everything comes through our senses, what our brain does it with it, that processing part of perception can get can go askew, train off the tracks in so many different ways. So I want to name some of these for you today and have you look around for them. Now, the good news is we're all doing it. We all do these at some point in time. The bad news is we got to own it. 
maybe not the bad news, but if we don't own it, if we don't acknowledge it, we still get stuck in these thinking patterns. So we've all done them. Question is, if you want to be a better version of yourself today for your team, for your company, what are some ways that you can use this information to push through those barriers, see change in a new way, help solve problems, and be a stronger team player? Let's take a look at some of these. False consensus error. False consensus error is when I am standing in front of the meeting and I have asked for input on something and no one says ever anything, so everybody agrees. It's an error in my thinking that just because nobody says anything, I think everybody's on board. We've examined fear in some previous podcast episodes, and when people don't feel like they can speak up, they don't. Well, if I now, as the team lead or whoever that, whatever role I'm in, I now can play into the error that says, well, no one said anything, so everybody must agree. That is an error in thinking. Maybe they didn't feel like they could speak up. Maybe they didn't agree, but they didn't feel comfortable bringing it forward. Now, that can lead and contribute to a biased blind spot for us as leaders, where we're just not aware of something going on. We're just not aware that my team was really struggling with this and they didn't say anything. So I thought they agreed, but I wasn't reading the body language of the room. We all have biases and bias itself can be conscious or subconscious. It tends to be a preference that is usually unfair or treating um, something else poorly. So we all have preferences, but what we want to make sure as a leader is that my biases are now not um, misleading me, discriminatory practice, unfair practice. There's so many ways to look at biases, but we've got to pay attention to the way our brain processes information, especially during times of change and transition. Let me give you a few other examples to help that uh, work through a little bit. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is when you hear the answer to maybe a problem or solution or situation. And it, it, well, when, when a problem or situation comes up, you, because of this bias and this error in thinking, you go, see, I, I saw this pattern coming and what you do is you go out and look for things that are confirming your bias. Let me try that again here. So think about it this way. I'm sitting in my office and maybe I've had somebody on my team that has just, uh, continued to have some near misses or some risky safety behavior. And I've worked with this person. We've gotten them some additional training. We're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And maybe I predict that it's because they're being haphazard or maybe even a little lazy or they just don't care. And I start assigning attribution to the person themselves. Well, if I'm sitting in my office and somebody comes into me and says, oh, we got a problem. So-and-so just got hurt. If I don't follow, once I get the situation contained and make sure the person's okay, if I don't follow our investigative protocol, 
for a review after the incident, confirmation bias can slip in pretty easily because if I don't follow the protocol and I suffer from confirmation bias, I go out to the work site and I now start looking for things that confirm my bias that this person was just maybe screwing around. And I miss other factors that are going to help me solve the problem at the root cause. Now, there's another version of that called hindsight bias. That is when somebody comes up to you and says, see, told you that was going to happen. And you're like, really? Because if you'd seen that was coming, that would have been really nice to know. Hindsight bias. If you listen for that one this next week in your team of teams at work, you're going to hear someone say, see, told you that. Really? Because if you had seen that coming, it would have been really good to know. Escalation commitment is another one for you today. And this is one that I have seen throughout my career. Consider this, that when you fall in love with an idea and you get so stuck on where that idea is going to take you, and I love good vision and passion, but now we're talking about a thinking error that takes us down a road that, darn it, No matter what new data you bring me, I am going to stick to it. I am going to see this through. And where, especially as leaders, we get stalled out is that we're so in love with this idea, we've committed to it, and we're not willing to change our mind even if new information has come to light. And for the best of everybody, we should let this go or change course. I dig in my heels more. I get more stubborn and even more committed to where we're going because darn it, I don't want to I don't want to let you know that I made the wrong choice. My ego might be getting in the way. I want to save face. I get so invested into that that my commitment escalates. My stubbornness rules the day and darn it, we're sticking to it. So again, remember, these are not goals, right? These are practices and our thinking that we need to be aware of that can derail progress from successful change management. The escalation commitment can also be related to what's also called sunk cost error. Sunk cost error is when we have committed resources to something and We have spent some money, typically, and something changes in our business and our process. Maybe we didn't make a good decision on that purchase. Maybe it's not doing what we need it to do. And the money's already spent. But it is so hard to make a decision in that moment to say, it's gone. It's sunk cost. And so we keep putting money in it. We keep putting energy in it. When people on the team are going, this isn't working. This isn't the best decision anymore. But those who get stuck in this air say, darn it, we're sticking to it. Other types of errors that you can look for in your teams when you're trying to solve problems and help each other through change, include path of least resistance. Now, I like a few moments of easy, right? I like a few simple solutions that don't have to be complicated. But this is different. This is choosing the path of least resistance because it's just easier. 
Ah, uh, we'll just use that vendor one more time. We'll just do it this way. This is where the phrase, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission came from. When we choose the path of least resistance, we don't choose the best path. We choose the one that's just plain easy because we don't have to suffer through as much red tape. We don't have to try and explain it to someone even though we know it's not our best solution. In our teams, as we solve problems, as we navigate through change, we need to guard against another thinking error called sweeping generalizations. They always, really, always? They never, really, ever, never? <laughs> I think my husband of 27 plus years realized that this just hits a hot button for me. And so now he likes to do this like, you know, for 27 years just to irritate me. It's a good thing I'm happily married. But when we make sweeping generalized statements, right, we take out accuracy. We take out the ability to speak with clear data points. And, and usually it comes out of a place of blame, wasn't us, it was first shift. Wasn't us, it was second shift. Wasn't us, it was engineering. Wasn't us, it was sales. Sweeping generalizations discount accountability. By saying they always, really, how many times? Well, three times this past week. Is that more or is that less than what we need? They never, really, ever, or are you just mad? This is where some of the emotion now starts clouding our thinking. And for the next few episodes, we're going to start connecting this into the emotion of change and transition. And again, it's not the crying type of emotion. It's the fact that as humans, we have this complex set of emotions that we've got to be able to work through in order to think clearly. Sweeping generalizations and these other thinking errors just get us stalled. They get us stuck. Minimization. Hey, it's no big deal and no big deal and no big deal. But then turn around and all of a sudden it explodes. Minimization is a potential thinking error. Maximization builds on the making a mountain out of a molehill, making something way bigger than it really is. Now, we'll take on some of those drama conversations in the next few episodes, but I want to be accurate. I want to read the situation, gather perspectives, understand what our next best move is without letting my brain run amok. I want to make sure that we're looking at the situation, clearly defining the problem, generating those solutions understanding the impact, intentional or unintentional, that that decision is going to have, and then making the best decision for our teams, for our customers, our students, our patients, whoever that is that you serve. There are things we can do to minimize these errors. And we're going to take on a few more in the upcoming episode, but that gets us started for today. When you feel stuck, when you believe your brain has gone down a pathway of errors that is not helping you make good decisions, use and exercise judgment, and see collaborative options for resolving things in new ways that maybe 
need to happen because your team, your organization has maybe some tough decisions coming up that you have to make. There's some things we can do like check our timing and dig deeper and take a break sometimes. Sometimes you just need to walk away from a situation, think through it in a different way, see it from a new perspective when you get back. We need to look to something different. Maybe there is a different industry, a different type of work, a different type of organization that can help us see our problem clearer. We need to change viewpoints, look to the past, understand the patterns. I love being able to rearrange factors or the order of something. I like walking it backwards just to see if I can see something in a unique way. We need to check for those assumptions and combine ideas and not fall in love with ideas. Oh, I can fall in love with an idea and convince you of a lot of things, but it may not be the best idea. There is a myth right now that when we go to solve problems in our teams, that it has to be more complicated or more technologically driven. I find that to be simply inaccurate. Sometimes we need to simplify the process, make it easier to understand, and sometimes with less technology, and we're going to be able to come up with better, creative, collaborative, innovative solutions. Those are just a few things to get us started for today. But as you consider your brain on change, where does it tend to fall into patterns that just don't help you get to the solution? Who else can you pull into that conversation to see it from their perspective? What are some ways you want to grow your judgment and decision-making abilities so that you can help other people solve problems? Change will remain relentless. How we navigate those moments where our brain is telling us one thing, but we know the best pathway is a different option. We need each other in this. We need to be able to solve problems in new and better ways. Take a few minutes today to understand maybe where your moments of hesitation are, where maybe your perspective gets skewed, and take some steps to see that in a new way. As always, I'm grateful you have shared some time with me. I wish you all the best, and I will see you back here next time. Take care and be well.